0: Welcome to the Fintech One-on-One Podcast. This is Peter Renton, Chairman and Co-Founder of Fintech Nexus. I've been doing these shows since 2013, which makes this the longest-running one-on-one interview show in all of Fintech. Thank you for joining me on this journey. If you like this podcast, you should check out our sister shows, Pitch It, the Fintech Startups Podcast with Todd Anderson, and Fintech Coffee Break with Isabel Castro or you can listen to everything we produce by subscribing to the Fintech Nexus podcast channel. Before we get started, I wanna tell you about the many opportunities you have to reach the Fintech Nexus Fintech community outside of our main events. We do regular sponsored webinars on a variety of topics. We also produce in-depth white papers, We have advertising opportunities within our newsletters, website, and podcasts. We also do sponsored blog posts, dedicated emails, and much more. If you want to reach a senior fintech audience, then please contact sales at fintechnexus.com today. I interviewed Al Crawford, who is the CEO and co-founder of BHG. Uh, I interviewed him at Fintech Nexus USA in New York City back in May and the title of this session was Lessons Learned During the Difficult Times because what is unique about BHG is that they've been around 22 years so they've seen they were around in the, in the previous crisis we actually talk about that what lessons were learned there we talk about some of the some of the actions they've taken during this uh, this challenging time uh, we talked specifically uh, about credit because this was in our credit and underwriting track, so we spent quite a bit of time at talking about credit, and uh, and Al provides a lot of insight on uh, on how to navigate these difficult times. It was a fascinating discussion. Hope you enjoy the show. Al, good to see you. Good to see you, Peter. Congratulations you. on the award that you just, uh, that you just <coughs> won.
1: Very exciting! Uh, it was a surprise, but uh, after 22 years in the business, it was a it was a welcome surprise. So thank you, and
0: really appreciate it. Okay, so why don't we just kick it off with a with a little bit of background? Tell us a little bit about uh, about what BHD, the different verticals you operate in, and um, and and why you started the company all those years ago. Sure, <clears throat> thank you. Uh,
1: we've been in business for about 22 years. Um, my partner Eric's out here, uh, and another individual. I uh, wanted to bring a real <clears throat> interesting uh, business loan to uh, small business owners. So we uh, came up with an idea of a $100,000 loan that was fully funded, uh, not at a discount, that we would move very, very quickly on, and that was pretty much unsecured. And that we would really look at the borrower and the borrower's creditworthiness uh, to make a decision on whether or not the person would pay us back, which was obviously the most important thing. Um, We also built a bank network on the backside. We had relationships with many community banks. And so we had um, an idea of originating high-quality loans with business owners for, say, $100,000, small ticket. Give them a term that went out at approximately seven years, which was just a, a random date that we chose, 84 months and we would fund it <clears throat> and we would then sell it through our bank group which was very small day one back in 2001 it was only uh five banks at the time that were that were working with us so it was a pretty simple con uh concept uh we'd originate for small businesses um we would then package it um we would underwrite it fund it and then sell it uh, to a bank group on the backside that we knew. Uh, it started very, very, uh, very, very small, uh, $25,000 in capital. And today we're about 550 million in capital. And we started, uh, 25,000 in assets today. We're about 4.4 4 billion in assets. So that's okay. some good growth. That's quite the story. So then, so what verticals do you operate in today? Uh, We're in, we we operate with the consumer and basically a a very small average size $50,000 debt consolidation loan. Um, We go out uh, as far as 10 years on term. Um, We've we've continued to offer our small business loan. Uh, One of the things we learned uh, along the way was that there's a lot of entrepreneurs in the United States And so we have a lot of different W-2 employees that have had a dream, had an idea, strong credit, strong income, Um, and we've done a $100,000 kind of startup entrepreneurial loan for them. It's been one of our signature loans over the years too. It's a really interesting vertical.
0: Okay. So let's just talk about your loan marketplace for a minute. Why don't you describe it and what, what makes it unique? I think th- I think we've got probably one of the most diverse
1: uh, marketplace funding uh, facilities in the in the world. I'd, I'd, I'd go as far as saying we have fifteen hundred banks on any given day that come to our marketplace, come to either our live auction, our silent auction, um, a direct placement, a number of different ways they can buy the paper from us, and they compete for the paper. Um, We put anywhere from 10 to 20 million a day on that auction platform. Uh, To give everybody an idea, in April and May, in each month, we had 400 unique Banks buy loans uh, during that time period, and I would consider those you know, those time periods as some of the tougher time periods I've seen in the last twenty years. With with what's gone on in the in the uh, deposit world, as well as what's going on with you know banks um, getting really punished uh, not for credit problems but just for duration problems.
0: So, right, right. Well, that's, that's that's great mm-hmm. to see post SVB getting that sort of volume. Yes. So. I want to talk about the the last uh, last twelve months. Um, you know, there's been certainly a, a, a bit of a downturn with the consumer. There's been a lot of inflation that's been impacting the consumer. Um, how how are you adjusting your credit box? And what are and what are the what are your, what are you learning from your borrowers? I guess in real time. Uh, great question, Peter. And I think we're learning a lot from our borrowers. I think. During times like
1: 21, backside of 20, 22, everybody pays. Um, I think all your models work. I think you can have a model that says, I'm going to lend uh, just this type of person in Northern California, and this person's going to pay me back always. And the person probably will pay you back in times like 21, 22. As we roll through 23, um, we're learning a lot about mistakes that, are, that we made with our models. So... In my opinion, if you can grind through a year like 23, potentially 24, and learn just a tremendous amount of information on where your models are maybe priced wrong, maybe where your credit was too aggressive, Uh, You put that into the models now, and as you come out of these years, your models are much, much more specific for performance. So we're we're doing a lot of data research. We're looking at why we lost, where we lost. We're adjusting different uh, risk grades. Probably, I'd say we've lost about 18% of our volume by design for our riskier risk grades. And, and we're not originating that right now um, you know we went blanket on some of our deeper risk grades and now we've come back and said this portion is still paying very very well so we might add that back in
0: okay so you are one of the very few fintech lenders that have that was around during the previous financial crisis to, I'm talking 2008 2009. What are some of the lessons that you took from then? Obviously, the company wasn't as big a scale as it is today, but still you were out there in the market. What was that time like, and what, um, what lessons did you learn that, you, that, that is helpful now?
1: Uh, during times like 08, 09, a <clears throat> little bit 23, uh, you can't have enough margin on a deal. You, know, you, you, <laughs> you, you, you stress it two or three times, and all of a sudden you realize there's certain risk grades that are stressing at five times. And so... Uh, Hopefully you have deep reserves on balance sheet. Uh, You have uh, strong cash positions. And I think your funding sources have got to be deep and diverse because you have to plan on losing some of those funding sources. And we've had tremendous participation over the last, um, throughout 23, 22. But we still have lenders who probably aren't buying from us for some reason or another. Maybe their liquidity situation, their deposit situation. So I think you have to expect that and you have to be prepared for that, we learned through 2008. And I think we're well poised for 23. Our reserves are at record highs. Um, our credit is performing. Um, we're not beyond what we thought we would stress at by any means. And I think those are some of the important things. And I think you need to stay close to your staff very close to your key leaders. And one of the things I've never been a big proponent, and it hurts me at times um, when, it hurts me a little bit with Wall Street at times, and it hurts me with some of the bigger banks, is we grind in times like this. So we take week by week, honestly, day by day, week by week, month by month, and I hate forecasting out, let's say, to 25 right now. There's just so many unknowns out there that my message to the team is do what we know... Do what we do well, do it every single day, and just grind through these times and get through them is is one of the biggest things I've learned from the the 08, 9, 10 market.
0: Right. So it sounds like, as you say, banks are still lending or they're still on your platform. But I'd be curious to know about how they have adjusted. Are you seeing, like you said, you've said you've taken uh, a lot of the volume of the riskiest loans off, but are banks now the banks that may have been interested in even you know, moderate risk? Are they adjusting their credit box to say, you know what, we are only taking prime 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 consumers right now?
1: They have, and I, and one of the one of the. Again, the positive things about times like this is that the competition tends to go to the sidelines for various reasons, and we don't. You know, we're, we're, we're on uh, track to originate to 370 million uh, this month, yet our lead flow is at record highs. We're seeing 70,000 leads a month right now through our, through our digital marketing, our other marketing channels, our direct mail. So our selection process is enabled to really take the best of the best. Um, we did probably 430 million, I think it was in October of 22. So we're at 370 right now, and you're you're $50 $50 million less, and you're seeing more lead flow than we've ever seen in the history of the company. And what that equates is, you get to go in and select some very, very strong credits. We're passing those credits along to the banks the banks, 100%, Peter, are looking for stronger credits, they're looking for you know stuff that they feel is going to get them home, and we're able to deliver that right now, given the lead flow, given what we're funding, and giving that uh, our our FICO scores, our, our, our score, which is internal, uh, have never been higher. They're at record highs with the fundings we're doing. So we're able to meet that desire to do a stronger credit at the bank level. And the other thing I'll say is one thing: the banks are demanding. They're demanding more rate. You know, they're, they're following Fed funds like everybody else. So as Fed funds have gone up 500 basis points, we've had to adjust. Uh, you know, we did an ABS for 500 million at a 1.67 uh, in early or late 21. I told everybody, you'll never see a, a rate like this again. <laughs> we should take two billion if we get to the market, <laughs> and. Uh, we went to market uh, literally the week of uh, uh, the SVB uh, failure, and uh, we were at 750 So, you know, Wall Street's repriced, the banks have repriced, and we've had to reprice on the front end, too. But you, you got that deal done, right? We got the deal done. Uh, we, went to, we priced it... Uh, uh, SVP had uh, was taken over on Friday and we priced the following Friday so it was a turbulent market but it was about two hundred eighty million approximately that that we um, sold at uh, in that uh, period which I was I was happy to
0: be able to do right right yeah for sure that's uh, that, that is actually impressive and so what um maybe we can talk a little bit about your how you kind of have built your credit team? Because there's there's, I'm sure in the audience there's a lot of people working in credit teams. Would love to get sort of some insight into how a company like BHG, you know, how you've created and how you run the credit team.
1: It's a great question, Peter. and it's, it's interesting because it, it ebbs and flows. We, we have 90 uh, underwriters on staffs. Some have been with us for over 15 years. Uh, We have 50 data engineers who drive the credit team. So the credit team isn't, I would say, making decisions on their own per se. They're really driven by the data and they're driven by the data engineers who are tweaking the models as we talked about a little bit ago every day. Um, But if you talk to me two years ago, we were really driving towards trying to have no friction and just be technology all the way through Today, again, you, you ebb and flow, We're ebbing a little bit where you know, there's a lot of stacking that, that's come at Fintech. Um, you know we're, we're targeted, we're targeted by borrowers who have no intention of paying. And so we've, we've added a 30 member fraud team in the last three years, which is I think sucking to none. And we really have to look at what can we do to prevent that from happening to us? And there's some manual processes in the underwriting uh, in the underwriting uh, scenario that you can do that I think slows that down tremendously, requiring bank statements, uh, looking further into the credit than just a a, a flow pass-through scoring model that we might have been really interested in, you know, when you go back uh, two years ago. So right now. We run heavily on technology, but we also use credit officers, especially in that uh, area where the the applicant looks like it may be a little bit interesting and we may want to do a little bit more digging to make sure that it is somebody that's not going to look to just use us for a stacking opportunity.
0: Right, right. Interesting. So can we put the, the Slido QR code on the screen so people can ask questions? There we go. Um, thank you very much. If you have a question for Al, you can scan that code and it will take you into um, a place to ask questions. So then maybe we can talk. I, I, I just want to dive in a little bit more, if we could, about the. You said you have getting you've got record borrowers coming to your platform today, so demand is is there? Is that is that across the board for the, for the demand that you're getting? Is it? Um, uh, uh, and what are these what are these borrowers? Looking to do, for the most part,
1: it, it is. It's a record demand. It is across the board, um, which is which is great news. I mean, we're seeing probably the best credits we've ever seen in the history of the company, and I'm guarantee you we're seeing volume of the worst credits that, <laughs> that we've ever seen. So right. it's heavily across the board. And as I said, the good news is we're seeing some you know super credits. I think very much what they've always looked: consolidate dot your small businesses, maybe looking to take down a little extra capital as the environment gets a little scarier. When you you know when you turn on CNBC and um, you see the regional banks last week get hit, and then you see them come back, which was awesome. Um, you know, I think. This the uh, CPI figure today was encouraging. You know, down for yet another uh, month. Um, yep. Fed looking like they're pausing here for five or six months would be would be super. But I still think the consumer's seeing all that too, and they're just looking to take a, a little bit of a uh, kind of a little bit of uh, safety capital for themselves. Make sure they have a little backup uh, to, to cover their debt. The business owners want a little bit in the in the coffee jar to basically have for down the road in case it gets a little dicier. So we're hearing that a lot as, as people are coming in because and again, we have people that are looking to extend their term. Maybe their payment's a little bit tough on an adjustable they had or other debt that they had. We go out 12 years, so it's a very, very affordable payment out at the 12-year mark. And uh, you know, our, our prepayments, penalties are pretty minimal, so they can go out there, they can borrow the money. Um, the rate may be a little bit higher than what they're hoping for. But again, in times like this, they have the ability to pay it off if if things don't get as bleak as as some of the different announcers make
0: it look. Right, right. So let's just um, get to one of the audience questions here. How do you prevent loan stacking? And what are some of the signals that you track for manual underwriting?
1: Great question. Uh, One of the things the the analysts have come up with is uh, if you're not in our universe of, let's say, purchase data, on borrowers and you come in digitally, your risk jumps three to four or five times, Hmm. crazy. So uh, needless to say, we're cross-referencing anybody that comes in digitally to see if they're in our universe of what we've purchased with specific uh, credit um, desires in mind when we're looking to market them. In that situation, we would look for additional information. We would look for uh, potential uh, um, you know, checking account information. Uh, we would have a live underwriter on with them. And we would be probably digging much deeper into what their current situation looks like and also looking to get a snapshot of their, let's say, last 12 months uh, use of money. You know, how much do you have coming in? How much do you have going out? Uh, does it look like you're just supporting a higher FICO when really all you're planning to do is borrow as much as you can from every fintech and then just dump? And so that's, those are some of the processes we would use to identify that type of borrower.
0: Right, right. Okay, maybe we'll just take one, one more question here. Um, so any pieces of data your underwriting team uses that you would consider unique? Uh probably
1: probably. Uh I, I <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to share, do you? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, probably m- a much better uh, uh question for one. Uh, Carlos Ortigos, who's our chief revenue officer and runs our data engineers. Um they're looking at, you know, we look at a lot of traditional data and I think we just score it and weight it. A little bit differently, and mm-hmm. and by and like I said to start the, the session off, not always accurately. You know, you find out in times like this that, geez, we scored this, we thought this was dependable, and it's really not performing like we thought it was going to. So we may want to weight that differently in the future when we're enduring what we're enduring in twenty
0: three. Right, right. Okay. So so last question then. Um, you know, you've touched on it, but I'd love to kind of get you to tackle it directly. What is the key for a lender to survive during turbulent times like we have now?
1: I think uh, cash. Cash (laughs) is king. I I think uh, you have to have, I think reserves are very important. We're at the highest percentage reserve we've ever been at. We honestly, historically, this over the last six months have been reserving at about 135% of our 12-month trailing loss so we're well above our methodology going into this again i just don't think you can have enough in reserves when you're in turbulent times like this and i think um what we've talked about key funding sources you know you want to have a we've got uh we've, we've got a tremendous operating alliance about 850 million led by bmo we have relationships with big Ps. we do go to the abs and then we have our bank network of 1555 banks that we sell to every day. You will have that and flows with those sources, those varying sources, but somebody, thank God, has is, is always been there for us. Right. And so I think it's important to have those diverse uh, funding sources in yeah. times like this.
0: Yeah, that is good advice. Well, Al Crawford, CEO of BHG, thank you so much for joining us here today. Give him a hand. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for listening please go ahead and give the show a review on the podcast platform of your choice and go tell your friends and colleagues about it. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye.